This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Investec Asset Management. Value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. It's that time of the year when the team at Investec Asset Management publish their annual investment views and that's to share their outlook for the next 12 months. You can access all of these viewpoints by going to www.investecassetmanagement.com forward slash investment views 2019. And with me now is Alistair Mundy, Head of Value at Investec Asset Management in London to share his views for 2019. Global central banks are shifting and have been shifting for a while, Alistair, after many, many years of accommodative monetary policy and lots of liquidity being pumped into the system, forcing people into riskier assets, things are suddenly changing. Yes, I think it's interesting times that we, we live in. We've had the best part of a decade of money printing, and I think it's clear that central banks are starting to wonder what the consequences of that are, or and or that it's time to reverse it anyway, because they never necessarily fully believed in, in its long-term viability as a policy anyway. So I think, as, as you say, the money printing has certain effects on financial assets. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens as quantitative easing turns to quantitative tightening. Yes, indeed. Quantitative easing was one thing. It was an experiment on a scale never seen before. In fact, the whole concept had never been seen before. Negative interest rates in some countries, notably Germany. And a lot of people are worried about the transition from something that was unknown into something that is approaching some sort of normality and whether there'll be some kind of turbulence there's few suggestions that that might be the case. Yes, I, th- I think um, what strikes me as interesting is this really has, has also been responsible for the last leg down in bond yields in a three-stroke, four-decade back- backdrop. And uh, you know, most investors have, have, you know, that are working today have invested against this this environment of falling bond yields. And you know, if, if it was to reverse, and, and I think virtually every asset class in some way is priced off a government bond yield. You know, if you invest in a government bond risk-free, why take the risk anywhere else? And um, if 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 that yield starts to rise, um, I think the, the you know the the worst case scenario must be some domino effect. And taking out lots of other asset classes, which will, you know, all, you know, immediately start looking a lot less attractive if bond yields get back up to something like their long-term average. And and let's not forget, you know, even just looking at the the UK gilt, for example, the ten-year gilt currently below one half half percent. Just before the financial crisis, it was yielding, you know, well over four percent. So you'd you'd only have to get back to that, which is nothing crazy. Um, for a lot of other assets to have to reprice significantly um, with it. Now you make the point in your presentation that investors may lose confidence in central banks over the next cycle. Do you say that because it may be mismanaged, in other words, the transition from easing to tightening, or is there another reason you think that confidence may go out the window? Um, I guess I say it because for a number of reasons. First of all, I'm, I'm not sure that central bankers deserve the level of confidence that the investors have got in them. Yeah. Um, but mainly because I think, I think central banking is very hard. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they're incompetent. Don't, let's not forget how, how harshly um, they were um, you know, considered during the financial crisis. And, and the interesting thing was in that time, Gold and silver were, were rising very significantly. So I think we're just talking about a pendulum here. You know, sometimes central bankers are considered masters of the universe. Sometimes they're, they're, they're considered to be people who have, have, have completely lost the plot. And I just think that the, the, the perhaps investors give them too much credit for having, A, saved the world. And we're not sure 
that the world would have necessarily ended if central banks had done nothing 10 years ago. And secondly, they're given credit for keeping inflation uh, down. But, you know, once again, it's not necessarily clear that either they were responsible for keeping inflation low or, or whether they've got the ability to keep inflation low, low forever. Yeah. So the consequences of this, of course, is that asset managers like yourself have to position themselves in an appropriate manner. And you say that we are defensively positioned in our cautious managed strategy while focusing on strong companies with ability to recover within your UK specials situations strategy. Is there a, a Brexit background to this as well as central bank background? <laughs> yes, there's a, there's, a, there's a couple of things going on here. So yeah, in, in general, the cautious managed strategy is, is very much saying QE has, has been very good for a lot of assets, particularly some styles of equity analysis and, and bonds and American equities. So we're, we're very defensively positioned there. But yes, you're absolutely right. Within, within UK, we've got another issue, which is, which is Brexit, where the, the result is that people don't even want to touch UK domestic stocks with their mate's barge pole, let alone their own barge pole. So um, <laughs> we've, we've got a bit of a, which, which is really interesting because this isn't, I've previously thought of it as paralysis, but it's one stage worse as paralysis. And there's been active selling of, of UK stocks with exposure to the UK economy. Now, no one's got any idea how Brexit's going to play out. Um, but what, what is interesting is how negative um, the, the consensus is about how it plays out. So we think there's already a very a negative outlook priced into a lot of these domestic stocks, which, which we believe gives us a very interesting opportunity. Yes. Do you think then that stocks, certain stocks, certain asset classes in the UK and those asset classes affected by Brexit are pricing in failure, a complete no deal Brexit? Yeah, I, th- I think pretty. I don't know. Yeah, pretty close to a no deal. I, I think. I, in, I, I'm sort of. I'm trying to take the emotion out of all this and just call it call it a recession rather than the Brexit because that's what investors are, are worried about. How bad things could get economically. And at the moment, I'd say there's there's some sort of recession priced into these UK domestic stocks. Um, I, I, I dare say, you know, it, it, if if it does end up in a no deal and um, a bit of chaos, first of all, then these, these stocks could go lower. Um, but I, I just can't believe the, the politicians on either side of the negotiations. It, it, I, I, you know, no, a no deal doesn't really suit the Europeans or, or, or the UK. So I think everyone would have to come back to the table. So, yeah, I th- we're, we're working on the basis that the very bad negotiating outcome is, is already priced into, into the UK market. OK, so you've got Brexit on the one side, but if you go back to central banks, you say that you must take care when considering investing in companies and assets which have benefited from the low interest rate era. So if you take out all the best performers and you can link low interest rates and liquidity to that performance, you've got to be, I don't know whether to take them off the table, but maybe trim back and be a little bit uh, circumspect when considering entering those sort of companies. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure. It's, I've, I've almost been characterising it as sell your 10-year winners and buy your 10-year losers. But perhaps it is, is as straightforward as that. I mean, I think there's a, there's a few rinks in, in that very simplistic argument. For example, you know, if, if interest rates are going to start going up, um, then you've, you've got to be worried about companies that have taken on too much debt. And those companies might already be struggling because they've, they've, got, they've got too much debt at this level of interest rates, let alone at a high level of interest rates. But in, in, in general, yeah, we, we think low bond yields and have have pushed um, investors out of the asset class they'd normally invest in because because they they won't get enough return and they've moved them all up the risk curve and higher interest rates um, perhaps or allow them to move back down the risk curve and get a get a decent return for less risk but also 
um, yeah, make them make them feel uncomfortable holding the new asset class they own because that that new asset class yeah, has probably got got volatility in it that they they they're not used to. And so it's going to. I, I wonder if we're going to get some liquidity issues. You know that that, that lots of investors have, have bought asset classes which perhaps they they didn't buy previously. They've perhaps they've bought them in in vehicles which are very liquid. And as they as they decide to sell them, um, perhaps the underlying assets aren't quite as liquid as the as the vehicles um, that they're, they're investing, which which could create some sort of very interesting volatility opportunities and problems depending on which side of the fence you're you, you're hanging around. Here's an asset class that has been unloved for quite a while now, and people in South Africa, where I'm speaking to you from, bemoaning that fact. We continue to use precious metals, both bullion and shares, to protect <laughs> the portfolio against the tail risks. I don't know if that's controversial, but they certainly look cheap. Well, yeah, I, I'm, let, let's let's say they've certainly gone down a lot. Let's let's start on that basis. Gold shares on on today's gold price. And perhaps for the first time for some time, look, you know, rate, ratings look okay. And um, they, they, these the metals and shares, they they do have a they they're frustrating to hold. I always say they're like my kids. You know, they when I mean, it, it's a bit like my my kids always happily um, argue with each other around the dinner table, and gold and silver a bit like that. When on on sort of little bad days for the market, gold and silver don't do very much. But you take my kids to some a, a, an event, they really have to behave well at. Um, you know, a wedding or a funeral or something, and they they do fantastically. And I think that's what you hold the gold and silver and precious metals shares for. When when things get really really ugly, I, I think that's that's when the precious metals will stand up. And I I also think you, you'd only have to see a very small switch out of bonds into precious metals because the you know the bond markets are so massive. So just a small switch out of that in, into the precious metals complex, I think would would have a very significant effect on pricing just from because of a demand supply imbalance. So yeah, I, I, th- I really think it would be wrong to, to give up on precious metals, and and it is the way of of betting against central bankers because obviously you can, you can print as much money as you like, but you can't print precious metals. Thank you very much for your time and your analysis, Alistair. That's Alistair Mundy, head of value at Investec Asset Management in London. In South Africa, Investec Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider.